Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burragoon campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Hallelujah. Father, we stand before your holy presence this morning with reverence and awe. We stand, Lord, not counting on our own self-righteousness, but on the righteousness of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your love and your compassion. And because of that, we are not consumed. Lord, you have made us right. And when you look at us, you see Jesus. And so this morning, Father, we just want to exalt your name in this place. Your presence is here with us. Open our minds, our hearts, our spirits, Lord, to receive from you this morning. Speak to us, Lord, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Please take a seat. Thank you. Good morning. It's so good to see all of you here today. It's wonderful to be able to share with you and continue on with our series on spiritual rhythms. And it is so exciting. There's a lot of things that are happening that are exciting in the life of our church. And last week, we just had four baptisms, which was really good. And the week before that, there were like two baptisms in Thornley. And uh, we've always said, what is going on? There's something in the water at Thornley. There's like baptisms almost every second Sunday. And I think to see people making a public declaration of what they believe is such a powerful thing, isn't it? And you probably remember some of the stories and the testimonies that some of our young people shared last Sunday. And I hope that that gave all of us encouragement this morning. Amen? Amen. So welcome, everyone. And I want to welcome as well um, all those who are joining us, our brothers and sisters who are joining us online. Thank you for being with us this morning. And uh, our theme is persevering, and I would like to share with you some statistics that will help uh, frame our theme and our thinking this morning on this theme of persevering. In June 2022, Australia's National Resilience Index fell 62.8%. It is the lowest level since the start of COVID-19. And this level is only about 22.2% below the 25% protective level. So there is a gap of about 3%. And the goal and the campaign of, the, of, this, of this movement is that they want to bring the, the uh, resilience level index to 25% which is the protective level for a nation. And you know, this 3% would save our government $6.4 billion. Now, what does this mean? It means that 90.8% of Australians are actually below the protective level range, which means that they are four times at greater risk of depression and anxiety. So the 3% increase to bring it to 25, which is the protective level, cost or could save so much. 
So there is a campaign going on as we speak, 25 by 25, meaning we want to bring it to 25% by the year 2025. Resilience is an all-time low in our society today. You hear it in the news often, in your social network. People giving up on their lives. People giving up on their marriages. People giving up on relationships. People giving up on their families. The lack of resilience. Socially, we seem to have developed a generation of non-resilient people. I had a small glimpse of this in, in some form. Uh, this is called, like, demonstrated in our society, even as early as our children. We have developed this culture of rewarding people just for the sake of making them feel good. Sports club in our community, in our schools. Oh, you've got the best mile and you get merit certificate. Oh, you picked up rubbish. Oh, you get a merit certificate. Oh, you played the worst in soccer. Oh, you're the player of the day, so you'll come back next week. Why don't we teach our kids how to learn how to accept defeat? Why don't we learn and teach our kids how to navigate failure? Why don't we teach our kids how to actually respond and how to feel when things don't go their way? That's how we can develop resilience. We can teach them how to respond to disappointment, defeat, failure. You see, in parallel to this phenomenon in our society, when the first Australian census was conducted in 1911, 96% of Australians indicated a form of Christianity as their religion. In 2006, it fell to 61%. In 2011, it fell to 52%. And in 20, 2021, it fell to 44% of people indicating as Christians. In other words, the percentage of people uh, proclaiming and indicating as no religion or non-religious is actually growing in our country and in our society. Australia has become strikingly more godless over the past decades, and the latest census reflect that. And they are anticipating that by the next census in 2026, it will be even lower. You see, as followers of Jesus, there is actually a need for all of us to take stock and reflect how we are faring and how we are persevering in our faith journey. Amen? Mark Buchanan, the author of the book where we based our theme of spiritual rhythms, actually was talking about different seasons that we will face in life. Whether we like it or not, we will face winter season, a form of suffering, maybe a form of disappointment, pain, hurt, loss, and even perhaps persecution in your own faith. When these things happen, Mark Buchanan said, it can either sweeten and soften people or it can sour and harden them with scarcely in between. You see, for some, suffering and their winter is a sign of God's abandonment, while for others, it draws them even closer to the man of all seasons. It draws them even closer to Jesus to the point where they can say that in the midst of their winter, they can say, it is well with my soul. 
no matter what is going on. And you have a choice to make how you would respond should winter hit you. And whether you like it or not, it will come. Amen? So perhaps you know people along the way who have experienced suffering and yet remained faithful and fruitful in the Lord. And there, there are others that sadly drift away and abandon their faith and abandon church altogether. Now I know that there's more to people's stories. But you see, when winter comes, when sufferings come, it needs more than just resilience. It needs more than just courage and boldness. It needs perseverance. It calls for perseverance. Amen? Oxford Dictionary uh, defines perseverance as this. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Paul describes it this way. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope is not going to disappoint Amen? That's how the Word of God describes it. In other words, when we follow Jesus, it is not simply a walk in the park and smell the roses, but we are actually called to follow Jesus even in the midst of our pain and our suffering because that is part of it. Amen? Jesus declared it in John 16, He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say, in this world, you might have trouble. In this world, you may have trouble. In this world, there is a possibility for you to be in trouble. No, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. Paul, likewise, in 2 Timothy 3.12 said, In fact, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He didn't say might be persecuted. He said will be persecuted. In other words, it is a guarantee. Let's look at our text this morning found in Philippians 3, 10 to 14. There's only five verses, and I'd like to share it. And Let's read it together. View. This is Paul writing. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He went on to say, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of, what, of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards. In the light of our text this morning, I would like to share with you three significant characteristics that will enable us to persevere in the midst of suffering. First, unwavering faith. Verse 10 and 11 of our text says that to know the power of his resurrection and to participate in his sufferings. To me, a look at that. This is actually saying like two sides of the same coin. You cannot just experience 
and enjoy the power and the victory of his resurrection without participating in his suffering. The two goes in parallel, goes side by side. That's why I said it is two sides of the same coin. Amen? And Paul said, I want to know that. I want to experience that. You see, the key to Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus. And in the Hebrew context, literature, psyche, and language, to know actually implies intimate relationship, not facts about something or someone. Therefore, knowing about God and accumulating knowledge about Him without a personal relationship is not what Paul is talking about here. When he said, I want to know Christ, the power of His resurrection and participating in His suffering, I want to know that. I want to experience that in a deeper level. I want to experience that in a deeper level where that is intimate between me and my journey with God. You see, the only way that you can have this personal relationship with God is through faith in Jesus Christ and repent of your sin. Faith and repentance are two necessary aspects of salvation. And when we have that, we get to experience the power of His resurrection and we also get to journey in His suffering. Amen? But what we need is unwavering faith. Let me share with you a story about this lady called Nadia. She's from Egypt. On the 26th of May, 2017, mother of six, Nadia's life, as she knew it, was shattered. The day began as a happy one. Nadia prepared breakfast for her family before boarding a bus with relatives to travel to the monastery of St. Samuel in Minya, Egypt. Among those on the bus were Nadia's son, Hani, daughter Soraida, son-in-law Sami, and three-year-old grandson Mina. We had fun together in the bus, Nadia remembers. The bus broke down. My son, Hani, was able to fix it quickly so we could continue. Arriving on the street of the monastery, Nadia was completely unaware of the danger lurking ahead. I saw some men in military clothing, but I thought they were there to protect the monastery, she says. But the opposite was true. The men shut the wheels of the bus and entered. What followed was a shocking attack of violence and brutality. My son-in-law was sitting in the front of the bus, says Nadia. They turned towards him first. They ordered him to convert to Islam. But my son-in-law showed the cross tattooed on his wrist and said, No, I will not. I am a Christian. And he was shot on the spot. The tears demanded the same of all the men on the bus, facing each one of them to make a choice between denying their faith or being shut. Then the intruders stopped at Hani from her place in the back of the bus. Her heart gripped. This is Nadia as she watched the scene unfolding before her very eyes. Her son Hani raised his wrist and said to the guy, No, I will not. I am a follower of Jesus. This is Nadia. She said, maybe you think that I would rather have seen my son make a different choice. And of course, as a mother, I am terribly sad and angry because my son is gone. But then this is what she said. But I am happy that I witnessed the faith that I raised him in. And I am thankful that he wouldn't deny Jesus Christ 
even if his life was in danger. That is unwavering faith. What an incredible demonstration of this strong resolve and faith in God. You see, suffering, persecution is a common theme and experience of Christians. Even as we sit here today, we have brothers and sisters all across the world who are being persecuted, who are experiencing and going through pain and suffering and loss as we speak. And yet, many of them, we hear stories that they continue to believe with an unwavering faith. You see, as brothers and sisters and as followers of Jesus, we are not only to share in the victory of His resurrection, but we are also called to share in the ministry of His suffering, to know the power of His resurrection and to participate in His sufferings. I wonder what our response will be should we be put in the situation like that. My prayer is that you and I, that we will have the grace of God to be able to stand just like honey and say, I am a follower of Jesus. The second significant characteristic I want to share with you from our text is wholehearted obedience. Verse 12 and 13 of our text says that, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You see, the word and the phrase press on was actually originally a hunting term meaning to pursue an animal with all your strength. It came to be used as an imagery for a foot race. So in Paul's case, he was not just pursuing salvation. He was not just pursuing the prize and the eternal life and all that, that salvation has promised. He was actually pursuing Christ. He said, I press on. Not just to know, I continue on to press on towards the goal because salvation is not a fire insurance policy nor a ticket to go to heaven. It's more than that. There is a call for us to grow in our maturity, to grow in Christ-likeness. And as we grow, we will have the strength in our faith to be able to stand in what we believe. Amen? Amen. You probably heard the expression that says, the longer couples live together, the more they begin to look alike. <laughs> have you heard of that? That's bad news for some of our women. But you see, you know, there's some scientific explanation. They said because you are in the same environment and you're doing most things and you're eating the same food and then all of a sudden after five, ten years, you just kind of become look-alike. And it's similar to that in salvation, that when you give your heart to the Lord and we give your life to the Lord, there is a process where Christ-likeness should become and should be, should be showing and demonstrated in your life. You know, when I think about that couple's looking alike, that's not going to happen between me and Janelle, actually. <laughs> but you see, Luke 9.23 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Follow me. There is a cost in following Jesus. Let me tell, we, tell you another story. How many of you have heard of the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot? Raise your hand. Wow, fantastic. It's good. It's good that you know that story. Well, this is the story. Jim and Elizabeth Elliot 
went to Ecuador individually to work with the Quechua Indians in Ecuador. Oh, sorry, in, yeah, in Ecuador. The two eventually married in 1953, and in 1956, her Jim was speared to death along with four of his missionary friends while they were attempting to bring and to reach the Huarani tribe and bring the gospel to this people group. Their daughter Valerie was only 10 months old when Jim was killed. Elizabeth stayed on and continued her work with the Quechua Indians two more years. Later on, two Huarani women living among the Quechua Indians, including one named Dayuma, taught Elizabeth the Huarani language. And then when Dayuma returned to the Huarani tribe, she was able to create an opening for Elizabeth and her friend to go and bring the gospel to her people. And so in 19, October 1958, Elizabeth Elliot, with her daughter Valerie, went to reach the Huarani people and shared the gospel to them, to the same people group that killed her husband. Wholehearted obedience. She continued the work of spreading the gospel to the same people that killed her husband. That must have been a very, very difficult thing. We cannot imagine that. How can one person do that? But there's only one answer. Elizabeth was fully committed to the purposes of God in her life. Amen? You know, obedience is such a crucial thing in our, in our faith journey. When, when we moved to Perth before 2016, we did not know any of you. This is our eighth year now. Looking back from that, it was a long journey. Looking back from that last eight years, we wouldn't have it any other way. My question to all of us this morning, I wonder what the back of your obedience to the Lord will look like. I wonder what the back of your obedience to God will look like. The third significant characteristic is this, keeping an eternal perspective. Verse 11 to 14 of our text says, I do not regard myself as having hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. In other words, the great truth of the gospel is that we are already complete in Jesus, we have been saved, we've been justified, we've been sanctified, but the fullness and the completeness of our salvation is when we see Jesus face to face. Amen? And so Paul, in a way, have arrived in his faith journey and his salvation, but he has not fully arrived. He was complete, but not fully complete, according to him, until he reaches the prize for which God has prepared for him in heaven. Hallelujah. Keeping an eternal perspective is very important characteristics if we were to persevere in our faith. Paul declared it in Romans 8.18. He said, I consider that all present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us in Christ Jesus. Worth nothing. You cannot compare with the glory that will be revealed. And that gave Paul continued motivation and drive and courage 
You see, historians over the ages have de debated about in what form and what way Paul um, had died. And many of them agree that he was beheaded around the same time when Peter was crucified during the time of Nero. And yet, this sacrifice, this suffering that Paul experienced did not stop him. Why? Because he's not looking at just the earthly things. Paul actually continued to focus in, her, in his mind. He had an eternal perspective. That's what he wants to do. He wants to win the prize. You see, a lot of people have no problem accepting the reality of life, people, earth, relationships, space, but they have difficulty accepting that there is heaven, the glory that will be revealed in us in heaven when we stand before the throne of God, before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we go through an experience here on earth, what, even if it is real, it is only temporary. The suffering that we experience is real, but it is only temporary. That is why it is important for us to have an eternal perspective. And this should motivate us and enable us to persevere in our faith. Apollo 8 was the first human mission to the moon, and its crew were the first people to see the far side with their own eyes. The mission's dramatic highlights included a live Christmas Eve broadcast during which the astronauts read verses from the book of Genesis in lunar orbit. James Lavelle was one of the astronauts, and this is what he said. Then looking up, I saw. This is what he said. I saw the earth, a blue and white ball just above the lunar horizon about 240,000 miles away. I thought, my world is only as far as the eye can see. In the country, mountains, hills, the grove of trees can restrict my world. In cities, tall buildings define my world. And in this cathedral, he said, and our world exists within these walls. But seeing the earth at 240,000 miles, my world suddenly expanded to infinity. He said, I put my thumb up on the window and completely hid the earth behind my thumb. He said, just think about it. Over five billion people, of course, at that time. Everything I ever knew, he said, was behind my thumb. And he said, as I observed the earth, I realized that my home is a small planet, one of nine in the solar system. It is just a mere speck in our Milky Way galaxy. And then he said, I began to question my own existence. How do I fit into what I see? Then I remembered saying, I hope when I die, I go to heaven. And then he said, I suddenly realized that I went to heaven when I was born. I arrived on a planet with the proper mass to have the gravity to contain water and atmosphere. The essentials for life. I arrived on a planet orbiting a star at just the right distance to absorb the heat from the sun. That caused life to evolve in the beginning. And then this is what James said. In my mind, the answer was clear. God gave mankind a stage upon which to live and perform. How the play ends is really up to you. How the play ends is really up to you. Let me close by reminding you 
Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Folks, there is a race marked out for you, and only you can run it. You cannot run this race on behalf of your children. Children, you cannot run the race on behalf of your parents. You have to run it yourself. And John Piper declared in one of his writings, he said, the assurance of the believers is not that God will save him, even if he stops believing, but that God will keep him believing. You see, God will sustain you in faith, he said. He will make your hope firm and stable to the end, and he will cause you to persevere. In our own faith journey, we will be facing different seasons of life, spring, summer, winter, fall. Whatever season you are in right now, my prayer is that you will have the strength to stand, amen, knowing that God is going to be with us. We need to have unwavering faith so we can stand we need to have wholehearted obedience so that we can fulfill the purposes of God in our lives. And we need to keep an eternal perspective so that what happens here on earth, we know that it is only temporary. There is a greater price waiting for all of us in heaven in Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit giving us the courage and the strength and journeying with us. And you are abiding with us. You are our Emmanuel, God with us. And so this morning, Father, I pray that if there is anyone in this room who is going through a difficult season of winter, I pray that you will assure them of your abiding presence. Father, we cannot do this journey without you. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that you will give us a strong resolve to continue persevering in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let us now proceed to a time of communion together. What an opportunity that is. So if you'd like to grab your little cup and get ready. And let's just remember this very special moment that Jesus had with his disciples as they were having dinner and as they were reclining in the presence of the Messiah. And Jesus lifted up the bread and broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. And that's what we will do this morning, that as we eat this bread we will remember the broken body of Jesus for us. Let's eat together. In the same way, he took the cup, gave thanks, and said to his disciples, this cup is the cup of the new covenant of my blood 
drink from it in remembrance of me. You see, without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so as we drink from the cup, let us remember the gift of forgiveness that God has given us through Jesus. Let's drink together. Let's pray. Why don't we all stand as we give thanks to the Lord this morning? Loving Father, we thank you so much for the way that you have demonstrated your love for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your obedience. Obedience even to the point of death and death on the cross. That we might receive forgiveness, grace, mercy, and love. And so, Lord, I pray that as we walked out of this building, Lord God, that we will have a strong conviction and a great assurance of the salvation that we have in Jesus. Help us as we live and live out this journey of faith, Father. I ask, Lord, that you will strengthen your people. I ask, Lord God, that you will bless each one of us, Lord. I ask, Lord God, for your protection over us, Father. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and the glory. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.